thanks Maynard. I keep thinking about all it takes to get all this stuff set up here. Thanks for doing that. Every year, every year. Well, when Sean left, that sounds more dramatic. When he left for sabbatical, let me finish the sentence. <laughs> He'll be back next week, I think. Um, okay, tomorrow. tomorrow. That's right. We'll schedule a meeting. Um, when Sean left for sabbatical, he left, for those of you who had worked with him without a surprise, a spreadsheet of options for what uh, Sunday sermons might look like. The idea being that during the summer, it would be sort of preacher's choice. Whoever's preaching, take your pick, pick a topic. And then the idea of, not a demand, but an idea that we would start in the narrative lectionary about this time. So that's why we're out here at Miller's Pond talking about the call of Abraham, because that's what's on the docket for right now. So what we're going to do today is have a short lesson on covenants and then some things to think about with Abraham's in particular. And it'll help me if I can have five volunteers. I'll tell you what you're going to do so there won't be surprises. I see one already. I see that commitment. I'm expecting it. Come on down, Ashton. Good. Everybody else who wants information, it's a low-level volunteer job. You won't have to speak. You won't have to dance. Although I suppose you can if you really would like to, depending on which parts we get to. You will have to hold a piece of paper up, and you'll have to stand up here with me 10, maybe 15 minutes, depending on how I get going. You know how there's an estimate. So I need four more volunteers. Come on up, just whenever you're, whenever you're ready. That'd Nora, be great. did you want to do this? Did you want to be a holder? You can hold instead of me. That's fine. Can you see these guys or should we scooch them up in front of me? Okay. All right. You need to be in order here. Okay. Nora, go stand on the other side of Lauren. Let's figure out the order. Good. Or well, you know what? Can you come stand right here, Ashton? Good. Very good. And all of them come stand beside Ashton. Very good. Yep. Very good. So if you're somebody who gets mixed up about how the Bible's written and how the story goes, this is a way that can sometimes help. Because there are these five major covenants, five big promises that God made in the Bible, and they are related to the people he initially made them to. He actually made the promises to all of us, but he had to talk to one person to get it to unfold. So here's a few things about covenants to keep in mind. One is that they always, always, always involved God taking the initiative. At no point in history do people say, God, we'd like to make a covenant with you. He always initiates it. He always draws out the terms and then lets them be known. He always guarantees that the covenants will be kept. And then the thing, the way it affects people, is when people do what he says, blessings will come. So that's the, that's the nature of the, the covenant process. God initiates it. It always ends up being good for the people when we do the things that it includes. So let's walk through these five. That's right, thank you. Noah's going first. Let's take a step forward, Noah. 
So what happened when God made a covenant with Noah? There was this terrible flood. The flood gets done. They're landing back on the land. And a few things happen in this covenant. One, God reminded Noah that creation is good. So thanks for that story, Lior. That's a really helpful thing to think about in here. This is where the story starts. Creation is good. Um, and humans have a special responsibility in it. And then not only that, but God will not destroy the earth again. The earth will never be destroyed by water again. So this is how that first covenant starts. Thank you, Noah. You can take a step back. So notice how all of these covenants, as we move along in the story, they get richer and deeper in terms of God's commitment and relationship to people. Okay, Abraham. That's you, Alden. Will you take a step up? Thank you. Abraham uh, is a covenant where God says to Abraham, I will make your descendants a great nation. I'm going to need you, Abraham, to do what I say so that we can make a great nation come from you. And I'm going to give you a bunch of land. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And your people will be a blessing to everyone that comes after. We'll come back to this Abraham blessing here in a little bit. Okay, thank you, Abraham. You can step back. So then some more years go by, and we end up with this covenant to Moses. Moses, please. Thank you. So the big things in Moses, and boy, this was a wordy covenant because there was a lot involved. In the covenant with Moses, we get all these festivals, which are still part of the Jewish tradition. So you have all these ways to celebrate and remember how God's at work with his people. You also get a priesthood. So this is where priests come into play. It's a way for the people to really connect with and commune with God in ways that hadn't happened before. You also, with the covenant where God talks to Moses, is you get how to live, instructions about how to live, including the Ten Commandments and some other things like that. So that's the covenant with Moses. Thank you, Moses. You can come back. Then the covenant with David. I'm really pleased with how it worked out with Dave's holding the sign. We don't have to start calling um, Lauren Moses or anything, but, you know. So the covenant with David is David, or God tells David, your son is going to build a temple. So this is great. Your son's going to build a temple, and I will be amongst the people. Also, somebody from your house, David, is going to rule forever. And so it's sort of an extension, not just of this blessing to build the whole nation, but one person in particular from your line will rule the world forever. Okay, thank you, David. And now new, that's you, Honora. Can you come stand there? Thanks. So then there's this covenant called the New Covenant. And it's in Jeremiah. I'm going to read this to you. It's Jeremiah 31. Uh, verses, I think we're in 31 to 34. So after all these covenants, now keep in mind, these covenants have been markers throughout all of history about how God's relating to people. These are the ways that people understood how God was at work in the world. They had watched this continuing, deeper, richer way to relate to God. And now Jeremiah says this, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. It's you, Honor, the new covenant, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, all of these guys, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds, I will write it on their hearts, I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. And of course, the good news about this new covenant, 
just as these are all weaving in who Jesus is, this is who the new covenant's talking about. In fact, Jesus himself says it um, at the Last Supper. You've got to stand up there a while. There you go. Hold, this is really important. This is the whole punchline. Good. So, Jesus says this exact line as he is serving the Lord's Supper. He reminds... Does he remind? He's probably telling the disciples. He says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So when we think about even how we take communion, when we get to that cup, it's a reminder of how all of these covenants are fulfilled through Jesus. So think about that as we walk back through. Honora, would you go stand by Ashton here? You've got to stand by each person to show what we're doing. So the new covenant, in Jesus, we're reminded... All of creation belongs to Jesus, and we have a special place in that. And Jesus is not about violence and destruction. He is about wholeness. Okay, next, go stand by Abraham. That's Alden. So when Jesus comes, it's not just about... Good catch. It's not just about having all of the descendants or the right lineage or any of those sorts of things. With Jesus, we know that we don't even have to have an exact land. Because of, because of who Jesus is, we all belong to God. We are all part of this great story. So he fulfills the covenant he made with Abraham in an even richer way. Can we go stand next to Moses? Thank you. So in Moses, we have these festivals, we have this priesthood, we have these instructions for how to live. And when Jesus comes, he makes that covenant fulfilled in really rich ways that just sometimes will blow our mind. So, for example, we don't need a priest. I mean, we have guys who have these jobs, like Sean's going to come back and have a job, but we don't need Sean to get to God because he's, we have a direct line because of who Jesus is. We don't have to have an exact set of rules to live by that if we don't keep those rules, we're really busted and in trouble. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, you've got to love God and love your neighbor. And then when people were talking more about the rules, he said, you, you say you shouldn't kill? Because that's one of the Ten Commandments. He goes, that's right. But then he adds another richness to it, another level. He says, you can't even hate people. That's a kind of violence. And so he makes, he makes all of the rules there even richer and more in-depth. We go stand next to David, please. Thank you, Nora. So the new covenant with David, um, of course, Jesus is that ancestor that rules the world forever. And it's not just that his son will build a temple, but we ourselves become the temple of God. So think about how in this covenant thread, all of this stuff weaves together and Jesus holds it all together. Okay, thank you, volunteers. I'll take your signs. So it helps whenever we're looking at any one particular story, like um, this story of the call of Abraham, it helps to remember how all of this fits together. I mean, that's the advantage we have at this point in history. I suppose thousands of years from now, people have some vantage point on the history that we're living in right now. But it helps to know how it all fits together. So with that context in mind, let's look a little bit at this covenant with Abraham. Um, And the thing that is most important about covenants is not the guy that God made the covenant with, but it's it's God's role in the process and what he did. So, for example, there are a lot of stories about Abraham. 
I mean, really remarkable stuff. It's interesting. Just pick up the book of Genesis. Riveting things. There's uh, Nephew Lot. All the things that unfolded there is this nomadic life. It was this traveling around. It was looking for land. It was God making this promise and then years and years and years and years of not seeing anything close to that promise fulfilled. In fact, you get to this really kind of dark story where um, Abraham is not able to get Sarah pregnant and he gets... I don't know, nervous, afraid, confused, I'm not sure, and says, well, we're going to need another plan. If I'm going to have all these descendants. And so he does a cruel thing. He assaults a woman. And then as she's pregnant, she gets in such a state, she leaves the camp. And she finds herself all out in the wilderness, all by herself. Presumably at this point, nauseous, lightheaded, exhausted. And an angel of the Lord comes to see her and calls her by name. Isn't that remarkable? Like you're in this spot in this story, but because God made the covenant, it doesn't matter that it was Abraham in particular, but because God made the covenant, made the promise, the angel of the Lord comes, calls this woman by name, and says there will be descendants, and you'll be part of a whole nation too. In fact, that's where Islam comes from and the Muslim faith, which is something I have not studied and don't quite understand. But it's a curiosity, isn't it, that we come right from this same, like when we start looking through the covenants, there's something that we have in common that's worth paying attention to. So what matters about a covenant is not, is not the person the covenant was made to, it's God's role in the covenant. And that's true for us today too. It is still God who is in pursuit, it is still God who is making the promises, and it is still God looking for us to be in relationship and making that available to us. So let me close with that last bit from Jeremiah 31. The last couple of verses. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34, which is the promise that Jesus himself says, this is me, I am this new covenant, and I'm available for you. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. And so these old stories that we read and these covenants that draw us through history are still here, still holding us together. We're part of something bigger, and that's true just sitting out here at Miller Pond as much as any other time.